Welcome in to week two of the Outsider Sports NFL Show. We are going to be talking about some of the key games we spotlighted from last week for week one, uh, some of the big takeaways from week one, and, and then move into the key games that we look at for week two. Uh, I'm here with my buddies, as always, Anthony Exton. Anthony, what's going on, bud? Another day in paradise, my friend. Good to hear it. Um, <laughs> hope you're <laughs> Survived the hurricane. I was just gonna say. Uh, nice. nice. Was what, were you guys hit at all? Or? Well, I, you know, I live in Augusta now, so it wasn't so bad here. I canceled work, but it was just pretty rainy and windy. But I'm from Tampa, and you know, Tampa didn't even get us hit as hard as they thought it was going to. So, no worries. Happy all around. Hurricane. Yeah, I remember the big bitch. Yeah, it's a bitch. Every hurricane is always a bitch. They always play it up. Yeah. So your family's all good, friends, oh, yeah, everything? We're good. we're rocking and rolling. There you go. All right, cool. Uh, Jack Anzer, how you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, man. Recovering from uh, from week one, but we're we're on to on to week two. On to all the right. Saints. On to New Orleans. I'm the sinister, Mister. Kiss my ass is just a renegade. Never been afraid to say what's on my mind at any given time of day. There are five games that we had spotlighted last week. Uh, just to quickly run down the scores, the Chiefs and Patriots, we all know what happened there. Uh, Ravens. Ravens beat the Bengals 20 to nothing, shut them out. Raiders won 26-16 over the Titans. Packers 17 to nine over the Seahawks, and the Cowboys beat the Giants 19 to three. Bunch of ugly, low-scoring games. Uh, but speaking of ugly, we're gonna start on Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, it was a pretty tightly contested game up until the fourth quarter. Chiefs pull ahead, outscoring the Patriots in the fourth quarter, 21 nothing, And yes. the Chiefs did a phenomenal so job. What's that? That doesn't sound so ugly to me. That oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was ugly, trust me. But anyway, Anthony, you don't know what ugly looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? But, um, but yeah, the, the Chiefs did a really good job in this game. They found a lot of different ways to utilize their offensive weapons and exploit some of the Patriots' defensive deficiencies and injuries. But that being said, Anthony, we're going to start with you, a Chiefs fan, and give you a chance to gloat a little bit at uh, anything you saw. But first of all, just as a Chiefs fan, watching the fourth quarter, watching the Chiefs pull ahead week one, what, what were you thinking? What were you thinking watching that game? What was going through your mind? Oh, man. Well, I was pretty drunk. Uh, Good. So, you know, I, I, was, I was really drinking from pretty early on in the day to prepare myself for the inevitable loss. Naturally. Sure. And, um, you know, things just started to take a turn just like Irma. <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting the W there. A couple quick takeaways. Uh, obviously, Alex Smith is this year's MVP of the season. Like, without a doubt, I think that's going to be happening. Naturally. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Hunt uh, more than likely going to be Rookie of the Year. And um, I'm thinking maybe 16-0 and 0 for, for Kansas City. 
Oh, so it's all right. So it's not too early for that talk. All right, that's, that's good. <laughs> no, but, but in reality, biggest takeaway, honestly, um, was I, I was surprised at how efficient our offense looked. But more than that, I was more surprised at how bad the defensive front seven of the Patriots looked. And I know that's probably not what you want to hear as a Patriots fan, but I've been watching the Kansas City Chiefs play football for a very long time. I'm pretty familiar with the, lo- the roster that we have. Obviously, like Tyreek Hill, he's got a pretty unique skill set. And, you know, Kareem Hunt, he, he looks good. He really does. And you've got, obviously, Kelsey, who was kind of a quiet quiet in this game. I was just I was just shocked. I, I feel like there was very little pressure from the front seven on Alex Smith. Um, Kareem Hunt and the offensive line of Kansas City pretty much did whatever they wanted to. I mean, the, the, we, the, the offensive line of the Chiefs looked amazing, and it's – it's not like they have the, you know, the line of the Cowboys. So I, I was, I was more, I took way more away from how uh, the Patriots' front seven looked more than anything. Okay, Eli, how they look to you? Just the fucking bottom line is the Patriots play like dog shit. I, I like, I get it. Tyreek Hill's really fast. I have Kareem Hunt on both my fantasy teams. Like, I'm very excited about that. But for fuck's sake, the Patriots were terrible in this game. They insisted on having Mike Gillisley be the starting running back. And I know he scored three touchdowns from the one-yard line, but he also racked up like 40 yards in 15 carries. He was completely inefficient. He was awful, honestly. Uh, Who's that sound like? Fucking LeGarrette Blunt. Terrible. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like I can't do another year of this. We need yeah. to like, give the ball to our fast running backs who are actually effective in the running game. And you don't think mention, he's that? You don't think he's better? Then Garrett Blunt, I mean, yeah, he he is faster than Garrett Blunt, but like, you know, that's like being faster than Grant. Like, <laughs> you know, Garrett Blunt is slow as fuck. Honestly, though, the the Patriots defense was just embarrassing. Like, Tyreek kills really fast, Green Hunt gets great, but they they couldn't tackle, they couldn't cover. Uh, Stephon Gilmore got roasted worse than anybody I've ever seen on that Tyreek Hill touchdown. Like. He just got totally turned around. Yeah, and during the game, they actually they they showed a graphic from uh, that showed uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him as like their 62nd best cornerback last year. We paid a fuckload of money for this guy, and he was just terrible, honestly. Uh, not to mention, like we, it, I didn't like what we saw from Brandon Cooks. Like Cooks was open all day, but they just he didn't seem to be in sync with Brady. We didn't have our short passing game going. Two fourth and ones, and we just smashed Gillisley into the line twice in a row. Like, I can't. Is Tom Brady too old? Fuck off. <laughs> okay, Max. <laughs> yep. Max Kellerman chiming in again. Hang just, up. Uh, all right. Get Are up, the Patriots just record. not good anymore either? This this game was Tom Brady's passing the torch to Alex Smith. Oh, yeah, Trent Duffer? <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> but Mother's yeah. not good anymore. Yeah, I mean, I could, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's your time, baby. Oh, he's so much fun to look at. But hey, I mean, anyway. I know you guys, I know you guys are passive fans, but I do. Do I think Tom Brady is done? No. Do I think Tom Brady is is still a really good quarterback? Absolutely. But there's always a time that quarterbacks kind of start to fall off a cliff, and it happens pretty suddenly. Like, if you sure. go back and look. So, sure. I'm not saying it's right now because we thought that this was going to happen to Tom Brady the last time he played – or not the last time, but the time before when he played the Chiefs when, when you know, yep. he got benched that, that one game. Um, 2014, yep. came back and won the Super Bowl and 
you Patriots fans love to remind me of that as soon as I bring up that game. But, like, we've seen this before with Tom where he struggled and bounced back. But one of these times, and I don't know if it's this time, but one of these times he's just not going to bounce back. He's not going to be the same Tom Brady that has been has shown us all these amazing um, games over his career. At some point it's got to start to decline at least a little bit. I'll see it when I believe it. I'll see it when I believe it. But That's fair. That's fair. So, so for for this for this game, how much stock do you guys put into um, the Chiefs playing a good game? Because I I saw that in this game. I thought, I mean, obviously the Patriots didn't play their best game, not even close. They didn't play a good game, especially defensively, especially especially late. Dante Hightower going down was absolutely massive in this game. Dante Hightower is almost as important to this team as Tom Brady is when you really kind of play it through and look at the impact of, of this team. But how much stock do you guys put into the Chiefs' performance, especially on offense with the way that they were able to move around their playmakers, get the ball to open playmakers in space, utilize their speed, those little pitches to Travis Kelsey. I love those plays. What do you guys think about the Chiefs' offense and their ability to utilize playmakers? Well, so Andy Reid is – go ahead. I was about to go there, so you go ahead. Andy Reid is, is a, a really good play caller. Yeah. Uh, you know, for whatever you might think about him as a coach, and honestly maybe the most shocking part of this game is that he didn't fuck it up with timeouts yeah. in either <laughs> half. Uh, but they, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they always play – Andy Reid teams always play really well out of a bye week, and they just had the longest bye week of all. Uh, they're, they're a good team early in the year. I think their offense is, is creative. Um, it's no surprise really that they, they had a bunch of creative ways to get Tyreek Hill open in space. I just thought Belichick would, would be, you know, more prepared for that. Uh, is Belichick too old? <laughs> That's yeah, going Belichick to become a linebacker. Yeah, his, his knees are really good. He's starting to go. That genuinely is going to be. Yeah, right. Yeah, the the visceral reaction to that was was phenomenal. <laughs> You're too old. <laughs> but I mean, that is going to become a question one day. You know, we talk about Brady's age a lot, but you know, Bill, Bill, he says he doesn't want to be. Uh, was it Marv Levy, coach until he was like 80? Was he the one? To, but uh, he said he doesn't want to be, you know, coaching into through his 70s. But you know, that 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 is going to become a question. When when does Bill get too old? <laughs> I'm oh, more worried about losing Bill to like him just deciding to go coach high school lacrosse in Swampskit than I am like him being too old. Do you think that's a legit concern? <laughs> do you think he'd actually do that? I think I think after he retires from football, he'll absolutely coach lacrosse somewhere. Oh, but, absolutely, absolutely. But could you see him cutting his like NFL career shorter? I don't think so. I no. I honestly think that he may be sustained by watching film. <laughs> yeah. Like he oh, may absolutely. be like a, some sort of alien who's just his life force. His life force is is game tape. Uh, oh, I thought that was just assumed. I thought we all just kind of <laughs> you know that <laughs> this, this we all kind of in New England. Am I yeah. am I blowing the game here? <laughs> no, neither of them are human. I mean, they, him and Brady. I mean, they're both cyborgs. So. Yeah, uh, you know, I see no reason why it should it should end. They just need to like oil the joints a little bit, and then they'll be good to go. Yeah, I mean, Bill can just get on the uh, the TB12 training regimen. I mean, Bill could definitely use some muscle pliability. That's what Bill could use. <laughs> Bill is a compact human, that's for sure. <laughs> he is doughy. 
even. <laughs> Scout. Yeah. Next thing you see, Bill like lifting his legs above his head, like doing some, you know, doing some sort of yoga poses on the sideline. Yep. That's just what we need. Yoga, Bill, at like seventy-five. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where did this conversation? What was the question? Is Bill too old? <laughs> Is Bill too old? Is Bill too old for yoga? Uh, that may be safe. Uh, Mindfulness. Mindfulness, anyways. Yeah. Going back, back, I think that to to way back before, when uh, Eli brought up Andy Reid, I thought that Andy Reid did a great job of making adjustments because this game looked like it was going to be all Patriots early. All Patriots. I mean, the quick first, first drive score. And then first plays of the Chiefs, the first play the Chiefs have on offense, fumble, you're in the red zone, and, you know, ended up holding them. But, um, I mean, it was all going the Patriots' way, and at halftime, I thought, it was a whole different game, right? I, I think he made a lot of offensive adjustments and defensive adjustments, and uh, the offense for the Patriots really didn't look the same in the uh, second half as it did in the first, for sure. Because they were right. just marching down the field at will in the, uh, in, in the first half, and if it weren't for those uh, – you know, fourth down stops by the Chiefs defense. The, the game could have got out of hand. So, last question before we before we move on to the other game: Does the result of this game and what you saw in this game change the way you feel about the Chiefs to both of you guys' uh, prospects for the rest of the season? Because to me, it does. Not not a ton. I'm trying not to overreact, but I definitely feel better about the Chiefs after so, watching that game. I said going in, they were going to win the AFC West. Uh, I thought they would go 11 and five. But I had this as one of the losses, so I think twelve sure. and four, thirteen and three is possible. Wow. But I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're still gonna, and you're still gonna have to beat the Patriots in the playoffs. And until I can see an Alex Smith, Andy Reid team do that, I still think the Patriots are the heavy favorites here. And so I think a playoff run is possible. Yes, Super Bowl, you gotta show me. Sure. Eli, anything changed for you in the Chiefs? Um, I mean, yeah, I think the Chiefs' record will probably be better just because, you know, this is a game we expect them to lose and they won. Yeah, but, you know, I think they're still going to have a, a hard run for the division with Oakland. Uh, yeah. I still think that – and the Broncos, you know, there's four tough teams in that division, honestly. Uh, I think – and I think that the Chiefs, you know, they didn't really do anything that I didn't expect okay. in some ways because, right, like – Coming into the season, you know, you expect them to try to run spring stuff and get Tyreek Hill in space. You expect them to run deep routes for Tyreek Hill. And, you know, like Alex Smith was able to hit the most open person of all time. Yeah. You know, yeah. for a long time. Like, no, it's, uh, hey, that Kareem, that Kareem Hunt passed downfield, he was not open, and he put that on the money. That's, that's true. No, that was that was the best, maybe the best one I've ever seen him make, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he also we see we saw it all over the league. You know, this week it's like when you give a quarterback a great protection, like most NFL quarterbacks are really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like when you put them in the, in the right situation, and you know, I still like Alex Smith was phenomenal, but I I'm not sure that Alex Smith is a different quarterback than I thought before. And I think the Chiefs kind of looked like how I thought they would. And and then we haven't even mentioned the Eric Berry injury, which, true, you know, true. is just brutal to see and sucks for him and the Chiefs. And you know that like that really 
hurts. They're you know they're completely yeah. irreplaceable part. So because he did an incredible job on Gronk in that yeah. game, incredible. Yeah, he just took him one on one, took him out of the game, he did. which you should not be able to do. Nobody should be able to do that, and he did it. It was it was absolutely unbelievable the job that he did in that game. But moving on from Patriots and Chiefs on to our next game that we talked about last week. Uh, the Ravens beat the Bengals 20 to nothing, starting with the Bengals. Um, should we be worried that this team is, is going to be really bad this year? Is this the sign of things to come for the Bengals? What's defined really bad? Uh, just significantly worse than we thought. Um, I don't know. We, we hadn't had a chance to talk too much about about this team going forward, does does that result change anything? Especially since I think a lot of us were in agreement that the Ravens weren't a great team this year. Well, we'll see, this is another game that uh, actually I thought sort of conformed to my expectations. I I bet the Ravens this week, and it was an easy call for me. Honestly, the Bengals we've we've seen Andy Dalton have great situations. Right? You know, I was talking about yeah. situations for quarterback. He had weapons. He had great offensive line play. Running game. He had all the pieces apart. He was he he played great. But when you pressure him and when the things around him start to break down, you expose him as you know a ginger. So, <laughs> but. In this game, the, the Bengals, they've lost a couple offensive linemen. The, the weapons haven't been totally in sync. And I, I just thought, you know, we're going to see Andy Dalton under fire this year. And, and the Ravens had a great defense, and the Bengals looked like shit. And, you know, I don't think the Ravens' offense, they were, they looked competent, I guess, but they weren't great by any right. stretch. So, you know, the Ravens kind of looked like what I thought they'd look like, and the Bengals kind of looked like shit, which – I'm not too surprised about either. Anthony, were you surprised? Um, no. I, I mean, we all knew that the Ravens' defense was going to be great. I was a little surprised at how bad uh, the Bengals' offense was and how bad Andy Dalton was. I mean, you brought up a good point, Eli. You know, when he's pressured, he's he's pretty awful, but I didn't think it was going to be this awful. And, I, I mean, they were atrocious out there, so – I wasn't surprised that the Ravens won. I was definitely surprised at the way it happened, for sure. And the final score. I mean, just you know, seeing a, seeing the goose egg up there, twenty to nothing. Can't even score in your first game. I mean, you got to find it. You got to find a way to get points on the board. I mean, come on, get a field goal or something. Like that's yeah, that. Week one, get your first score of the season in week one, please. Get yeah, at something home at home. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So. So I get what you guys are saying, but I mean, a goose egg at home week one, I mean, you got to get a field goal. Just get three. Just get three points. That's a bad, bad look to drop a goose egg at home week one. Real bad. And I, I, I love what the Ravens did. I mean, switching away from the Bengals. So I think the Ravens' problem is ever since they won that Super Bowl, they've tried to treat Joe Flacco like he was Drew Brees. And throws the ball 40, 50 times a game, and it's awful. It's awful. And he threw the ball 17 times this game. They had, what, 40 rushing plays? 40 rushing plays. Wow. Like, that. I mean, that's crazy. And it it worked, obviously. You know, they sued clock, and they put up the points, and obviously Cincinnati did. And I I, I loved the game plan going in. And I know, I think a lot of this had to do with Joe Flacco was coming off that injury, but I think they they need to stick to this going going forward for sure yeah and you gotta like that game plan as kind of a long-term strategy going into 
You, you know, if, if you can run the ball 40 times week one, you can run it 40 times later on in the season once it gets colder. So you got to like that strategy um, if you're a Ravens fan. But moving on to the next one, Raiders 26, Tennessee 16. Uh, this one, this one, I think we'd all agree. This was a, a lot of a lot of things that we were that we were kind of expecting. Eli, we'll we'll start with you. Any big takeaways from this one? Uh, I mean, for for the Raiders, their offense looked great. I thought, uh, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch looked fantastic in his yeah. return. Uh, he was just beasting people over, and, and that offensive line likes to destroy things. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I that that could be a vicious combination this year. Um, I, I thought Carl looked great. I. You know, Cooper had a couple of uh, had a couple of drops to the goal line. They had a, a goal line series where they had first and goal at the two and threw three times in a row with Lynch in the backfield, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, Deja vu all over again. And uh, but, but from the Titans side, I'm honestly disappointed because I thought we were going to see a, a more open offense this year for the Titans, and and it really looked very similar to last year. It looked like they hadn't done a great job of integrating their, their weapons at all. Um, and that was, that was just disappointing. I, I hope to see a, a little bit of a different team and they, uh, they were not creative offensively. Yeah. you, uh, what, what do you think from the, from the Titans perspective? How do you, how do you think they looked? Um, you know, I, I kind of, I'm going back to game plan again. I, I don't like that Mariota had to throw the ball 41 times with that offensive yeah. line. Like, they're built to run the ball. They have two stud running backs with um, Murray and – with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. And, I mean, DeMarco Murray got 12 carries. I think if you're going to win, especially versus a high-powered offense like the Raiders, you you got to run the ball more. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely Great. disappointed in the Titans because I, I, I am high on the Titans this year. I think they've got a lot of talent. And I, I just don't know that their coaches put them in the best position to win this game. I mean, I was – Raiders looked good. I, I don't want to say they looked great, but they looked good enough to, to obviously win this game. Um, Derek Carr looked good. He put up pretty good numbers. And uh, I don't know, I'm more disappointed in, in the Titans than I am impressed in the Ra- with the Raiders. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think uh, I think we all kind of pretty much know what we're getting with this Raiders team. I think, I think there's a general consensus on where they're at. The Titans are this kind of – uh, they're a bit of a wild card this year, and they're they're a bit of a trendy pick um, to become a breakout team, kind of like the Jaguars mm. were last year, and that didn't that didn't work out so well. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the Titans can get a little bit more aggressive because, as we talked about last week, um, and we've probably talked about a couple of times with the Titans, that's a team that could go in a lot of different directions. They could be, they could be, they could make a real splash this year. If they if they're able to improve that offensive game plan, so I think we're kind of all in agreement on that one. Um, I thought kind of the biggest matchup from Week One, the game that I had the biggest eye on, was uh, the Packers beating the Seahawks seventeen to nine. So Anthony, was that uh, a low-scoring game? You know, just tough Week One battle between two very good teams. Um, so is this defenses just the defense is playing well, poor offensive execution. What did you see, Anthony? 
Well, I think on the Seattle side, the obviously the big storyline is the offensive line. I think the execution there was awful. And I know coming in, Eli, you were really, really harping on that, that the offensive line was going to be an issue. I kind of downplayed it thinking, you know, Russell Wilson being able to get out of the pocket and move around some was going to negate a lot of that. And it's not like the Packers are this amazing defensive team and they looked dominant out there versus the Seattle offense. And, I mean, it raises a lot of questions about the Seahawks team. Um, Green Bay, obviously going up against Seattle's defense, um, looked serviceable. I don't think that if these teams meet again, I don't think that 17 points is, is really going to cut it uh, if they meet again in the playoffs. Um, but I took the most away from Seattle's offense looking just, just awful. Definitely. So, Eli, do you think it was more – do you think it was more uh, Seattle's offensive execution or the Packers stepping it up on defense, looking better this year? I, I think it was definitely more of the Seahawks' offensive line being just absolutely atrocious. Uh, I mean, I watched that game. You know, the Packers' offense, uh, the Packers' defense, it's it's the same front seven we've seen. There's, there's talented players. I mean, Mike Daniels literally ruined the Seahawks' running game single-handedly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Clay Matthews was all over the place. Just, they had this way, just walking right into the backfield. It was like the, the Seahawks offensive line was like tissue paper. And, I mean, they, you know, you, you honestly can't run an offense when it's, it's like the offensive linemen aren't allowed to use their hands. It's ridiculous. <laughs> They're so bad. Yeah. Like, Russell Wilson has to roll out every single play, right? So, it's, yeah, he's, he's mobile and, and he's got a good escapability, but when you have to run your standard passing offense, it yeah. has to be a rollout package. Like you're only using half the field. There's only so many routes you can run. You have to do everything short. You can't run the ball. I mean, they couldn't have an NFL offense because their offensive line was, was just not functioning. Like it's, it's not an NFL offensive. Line. It's a, and the, it's, it's the same issue they've had for years. And uh, it looks like it's even worse this year based on, on what we yeah. talked about. Are players soft under Pete Carroll? Uh, not on defense. <laughs> well, they're talented on defense. Are they tough? Yeah, that, is, that defense is, the, is called the Legion of Boom for a reason. Cam Chancellor assassinates people. Look, okay, that's one guy. Bobby Wagner is a human missile. Richard Sherman is not a soft player. You can, you can say a lot of things about him, and I think he's overrated, but he is not a soft player. Okay, Obama so I think he's a silent killer, like as a unit overall. He's got good players. But are they yeah, soft? but I think you, I think you bring up a good point. But does the defense look to Pete Carroll yeah. as really their leader? I, I don't think so. Yeah, he's a defensive backs coach. That was his background. Like that was his original. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like we hear, we hear about Pete Carroll babying the offense nonstop, right? That, yep. that was the big storyline coming into the year. Yep. And I think he, I think the defense can look to people like Cam Chancellor to make sure that they're tough. And I don't know that Pete Carroll has to do a lot of that. Whereas on offense, exactly. we, on offense, we, we don't, I don't, I don't see Russell Wilson as a, as a real leader of that team. I, I think you guys, would use both, for sure. Right. Yeah. And when your quarterback is looked at that way and an offensive line that bad, like Marshawn Lynch isn't there to keep them tough. You know, and, and that was right. really the strength of that offense and the heart of that offense. And you take that away, and I think you got a good point. Like, uh, I think the offense is soft, and uh, I don't think Pete Carroll is hard enough on him, which we, we heard about 
that in training camp. We heard about that at the beginning before the season even started. And oh, we're, come seeing, on. we're seeing the result. They have tough Eddie Lacy. That's that's what everyone knows, right? <laughs> tough Eddie Lacy. He's tough on a Chinese food buffet, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Eddie Lacy's been making weight. I respect the hustle, the hustle, Eddie. I respect the hustle. He cut out yeah. the China food. Yeah, that's good. He, he switched from dog to cat. Oh God. Oh, Korean. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, <laughs> sorry. But I mean the. the <laughs> The point, you know, the point kind of remains is that, yes, you're absolutely right. Cam Chancellor is tough. Bobby Wagner is tough. Richard Sherman on the field is tough. But <laughs> And on Twitter. Yeah, right, and, and in front of Aaron Andrews. But um, it, so I, I question whether the rest of that defense is tougher or at least as tough as they would be on other teams. And, and – Eli, like what you're talking about, the offensive line just getting absolutely pushed around, absolutely bludgeoned. I know that a lot of the times that it comes down to talent. It comes down to preparation. Sometimes you get beat by not being in the right place at the right time. But on the offensive line, sometimes you can not look like absolute crap just by toughening up and just making the decision, this guy's not going to fucking beat me again. Like, this guy's not going to kick my ass. There's a certain point in a game where you just make the decision, this guy isn't going to manhandle me anymore. And if you never make that decision, then you just keep on getting beat. So that's my question is, was it that? Or was it lack of preparation? They just weren't talented enough. They were in the wrong places at the wrong time. Or could they have said at some point in this game, individually, each to a man, I'm not getting my ass kicked anymore. I mean, I think it's some above. I mean, they don't have any good offensive linemen. And no leadership there. Yeah, so they don't have anyone to lead the position group, right? They don't have any example to follow. So, you know, like where is it supposed to come from if they are all sheep looking for a, a, a shepherd? So do you think that the, the coach, the head coach, move? that's where it comes from. It comes from the head coach. So do you think the Seahawks make some sort of move for a, a veteran alignment? Maybe go out and get somebody like Richie Incognito from the Bills oh. and everyone out. Or that Joe toughness Thomas. is your issue. Yeah. Richie Incognito, Joe, he's a good go guy. Go make yeah. a play for Joe Thomas. He's on an awful Browns team. He's wasted his – he's one of the Great best left point. tackles of all time. Like, go make a play for him. Have a chance. Because I think just that one addition of, like, a veteran, like, badass offensive lineman toughens that whole lineup, and that guy is not going to take any shit from them, you know? I, I think that if the yeah. Seahawks are smart, they, yeah. they're making trades for a defense. Yeah. They traded away playing. ever since in the Jimmy Graham trade, they traded away Max Unger, the yeah. center, who was yeah. the, the only good offensive lineman they had, and it, it's only gotten worse since then. Significantly worse, right? Because Max Unger, he he could be a voice on that O line where he could look to the guy to the left of him and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Whereas right now they, <laughs> right. they just they're all just standing around with their thumb up their ass, yeah. like not letting any not letting anything letting anybody come by. Like I'm pretty sure the three of us could. could they had Mike Daniels put up. Right. Go out and get somebody like Joe Thomas. I know Whitworth just changed, changed teams, so I don't know how available he is. But go out and get Joe Thomas. Go out and get uh, Richie Incognito. Go out and get somebody who's going to add some sort of element of uh, of grit to that team. Go out and get Daniel. Yeah, Daniels. I don't know yeah. why they haven't done anything to, to fix this situation. But 
Uh-huh. I mean, there's, there's certainly a, sort of a, a dearth of offensive linemen in the NFL these days. Yeah. There's not very many. There's a shortage of, of good offensive line play for sure. Um, but the, it seems like the Seahawks uh, in particular just – it's like none of the guys on their line would start for any other offensive line in the league. That's brutal. It's, That's brutal. Uh, you know, except for maybe the Colts. Oh, oh, that doesn't but, count. Uh, yeah. That doesn't count. Well, Joe Thomas to the Seahawks. You heard it, heard it here first, folks. Heard it here first. <laughs> Get your breaking news here. That's always. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your hot take. Um, Cowboys nineteen, Giants three. Is Eli Manning too old? Oh, we talked about this quarterback cliff. Eli Manning <laughs> hit that cliff three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> like he you know, he talking. hit it around the same time Peyton did. Keep going. Like, Eli Manning was so bad in this game. And I had Brandon Marshall on one of my fantasy teams, and and I was looking for a big game for him and replacing Odell. And my God, like, Marshall was open a lot, but he was also in the wrong place a lot. He didn't really know the offense, which is really frustrating. But uh, Manning, like, he, you know, he couldn't make open throws. He missed receivers when they were open, and he – threw the ball into the offensive line, into helmets. Like, he was all over the place. I mean, that Giants offense looked putrid. Uh, I guess the Cowboys defense, that I, I mean, I think it's not going to be terrible, but I don't think that's an elite unit. I think they're bottom third in the league, right? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. And I, think, I think they could be better, but they, they're not going to be higher than average. Like, they're no better than average. So, it was bad to the Giants. Right, so... Anthony, I don't, I don't, I don't care about the Cowboys. I don't care about the game. Is Eli Manning too old? Go. No. No. no okay. Not Counterpoint. Old. Not too old. Um, I mean, Ozzy, you're missing your your best weapon. The Odell is insane. You know, he's a top three receiver in the league. Uh, when when you lose someone like that, the whole offense can just fall apart. Like you saw. I mean, they they were. Abysmal didn't score a point in the first half. Um, there's no running. There hasn't been a running game in New York since the 07 Super Bowl team. And without a running game and without your best receiver, I, I didn't expect a lot out of this team against the team who had the best record in the NFC last year uh, with Zeke playing, you know? So, I, I, I'm going to pause the uh, the is Eli Manning too old talk until we see what he looks like with a full receiving core. He's going to look too old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's going to look he's going to look over the hill. Eli, I mean, does he have any? Does he come back at all, or is this is he just over the cliff? I mean, no. Like, look, he's not going to be Chad Henney bad. He's or be no, no, is he going to be bad. Peyton Manning bad? Uh, is it is he gonna look like his brother in the last? Game? Like I don't know that he's gonna like the arm strength. I don't expect him to just all of a sudden like not be able to throw the ball 15 yards like Peyton. Sure, but uh, you know it, he was always a questionable interception guy and, and ball security guy, questionable decision maker, like kind of an idiot savant sometimes. <laughs> but uh, you know now if he just takes a step back physically, like. It, it could be real bad, and and 
I don't know. Maybe he's taking one too many hits. He just looked terrible, honestly. And he's looked bad for the, a few years. It looks like he's been sliding for a few years, and, and it could be just a nadir. I'm sure he'll have good games this year, but I, I'd be very worried if I was a Giants fan. You could just yeah. be a salty Patriots fan that's still mad about those two Super Bowls, too. Why do you think we're talking about it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Manning mean, could have put up. 400 yards and five touchdowns, and you'd be talking about the one incomplete pass he threw. Yeah, absolutely. You should have recognized that safety. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong, but I think the 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 point still the point still remains because I think he he doesn't have the athleticism in other areas to to make up for any sort of a decline. And like Eli was talking about, I mean, you can you can make up for physical decline by elite decision making, which he never had to begin with. So yeah, it's I I I'm I'm closer to the side of he his best years are behind him. I don't think he's gonna look like Peyton, but I think this is I think this is definitely the year for him where there's a bit of a drop off. And then um last thing from this past week uh, before we head into this upcoming week of games, um, Bill O'Brien decided to start Tom Savage against the Jaguars. Uh, they got down big early. Uh, Tom Savage looked like crap. Decided to put in Deshaun Watson. He looks pretty decent, um, but it doesn't help anything with the game. So if Deshaun Watson was good enough to be in the game, why not just start him? And just what, what, what the, like, what the hell was Bill O'Brien thinking with his with his quarterback decision making? Eli, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, uh, this gave me flashbacks to uh, the first year of Derek Mason's coaching at Vanderbilt, where <laughs> in his first game he switched quarterbacks twice in the first half and then switched back to the first one in the second half. <laughs> Just horrific. Uh, and he basically scarred all three quarterbacks and, and like ruined the next three years of the program. But, uh, he, uh, you know, yeah, Bill O'Brien really, it's, you know, it's like if the risk of starting a guy like Watson, who you've heavily invested in for the future is that you risk stunting his development or, you yeah. know, like causing bad habits or ingraining, you know, ruining his confidence or whatever. Um, and so you, you either start him or you don't, right? Right. And in this instance, Bill O'Brien looked at a situation where Savage got sacked like six times in the first half, and he decided, this is a good time to throw out my rookie quarterback, who we're obviously not sure he's ready to go. <laughs> it's like, it's absolutely bad decision making. Uh, in a game that he had to know they weren't going to win. Uh, and I, you know, I, I really just can't understand the thought process and, and Watson was a little bit better than Savage, I guess, but he, he wasn't great either. Um, yeah. and uh, just a, just an awful, awful choice by Bill, Bill Bryan. Yeah, Anthony, you, uh, pretty much, pretty much in agreement there. Or? Yeah. I mean, I said, I know you did as well. We've all said that, um, Deshaun should have been the starter going in. I mean, why not? It's not like Tom Savage is anything special. He he uh, proved that point twice over on Sunday. Um, so I know that Bill O'Brien's named Deshaun Watson the starter for week two, so he should be the starter going forward. I think when you've got that kind of team around him, you got you got to go with the upside. When um, 
when Tom Savage's ceiling is that low, um, he was never going to be even serviceable, I don't think. So, no, I mean, dumb not to start him from the beginning. You drop a game versus the Jaguars, um, a division team, and what should be a tight division race. So, I think going forward, Deshaun Watson's the right move. But you're right, Eli, he didn't look good. And Deshaun Watson looked good in the first preseason game, which is by far the easiest preseason game. It's the most simple defensive coverages and um, they don't disguise plays and going forward, you know, he looked pretty bad in the preseason and he didn't look great uh, week one in the second half there. So I, I don't know. It, it really, the Texans team as a whole really worries me. I, I, I picked them to win the division and I, I feel very unconfident about that pick. Well, here's the I'm other thing. I'm just happy to have Mahomes. Here's the other thing is <laughs> O'Brien's backed himself into a corner now because you yeah. definitely can't go back to Savage, right? No. Like, that's the worst thing you can do is, like, bring Watson in, have him struggle, and then pull him again and, like, undermine his confidence, too. Like, that, you know, so now you're stuck with him and you've got to keep playing him even if he's bad or he's not ready. And, you know, so now you're risking the future by playing him too early and you're risking the present by playing him too early. Like, it's... It's it's not a good situation. Yeah, look, I I I really like Bill O'Brien. I like his style. I like a lot of things about him. But he really he really just screwed this up. He really just just bungled this one. You just gotta you just gotta pick one and stick to it. That's that's it. That's rule number one. Just just pick one and and go with it. Even if you're wrong, you gotta you gotta go down with the ship on that one. But moving on to uh, this uh, upcoming week slate of games. Um, We've got four that we're just going to quickly run through, give some quick thoughts on uh, um, any anything we're going to be watching for and go through some spreads on them. So for starters, we've got the uh, the Vikings getting four and a half points on the road at the Steelers. Um, so, Anthony, starting with you, um, what do you think about uh, Vikings plus four and a half at, uh, at Pittsburgh? How good did they look this week? Yeah. Man. Uh, I think yeah, your FSU boy uh, Cook is is a beast. Cook. He was yeah, great. He, he is he's a good player, man. He was good with us for years. He's going to be a, a very very good NFL back. Um, I want to temper my expectations with the Vikings because they were playing the worst defense in the NFL. I mean, the Saints are, are, are abysmal on defense, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Vikings looked really good. The Steelers did not look very good, barely squeaking out a win versus the Browns. Um, but the Steelers at home defense isn't great, but better than the um, the Saints defense. I think that the Vikings may struggle a little bit early and um, may struggle a little bit more. The offensive line, we'll see. That's five new starters on that O line. We'll see how they do versus uh, the defense that actually has some semblance of a pass rush. Um, what did you say the spread was? Four and a half to the Four Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be all over the Steelers on that one. So you, you want Steelers by the, four and a half? The Steelers the, minus four and a half. Yeah, Steelers, oh, are Steelers minus. minus. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, mm, I'd stay away from the game. I think the Steelers win the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a this is a tough one for sure. Eli, where were you at on it? Well, I really like this game for a couple of reasons. One, I think. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the Steelers. You know, the Steelers kind of 
in week one at Cleveland. They kind of went in thinking that they were going to win easily and, and, you know, really just wanted to get in and get out healthy uh, mm. with an ugly win. They're fine with that. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the Steelers look like at home against a, a really quality opponent. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, as Anthony mentioned, how the Vikings offense looks against what I think is actually a pretty decent Steelers defense this year. Um, and, and, you know, I'm interested to see if, if the Steelers offense that I sort of expected to see this high flying superstar driven machine, uh, shows up in week two against what, what looks like it could be a really good Vikings defense holding down that Saints offense. Yeah, no, definitely. I just want to, I'm just interested to see whether or not the Steelers learn how to play man coverage. Cause if they don't, if they, you know, if they, if they stick in the zone against the Patriots again this year, it's going to be phenomenal. But yeah, this is a, the, the Vikings week one performance really makes this one, makes this one tough because again, I liked the Chiefs performance a lot. Um, so kind of similar to that for me, you kind of have to try and temper expectations. Um, so kind of the, I, I think with the Steelers, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, for the most part, the Vikings are a lot more of the wild card in this one. So, so the quick question to each of you guys, um, similar to my question about the Chiefs, how much does the Vikings week one performance and how good they looked in week one, how much are you guys factoring that into this week? Into this week or into, yeah. into this week? In, into this week or just the rest of the season? So I think, they're going, I think they're going up against one of the best teams in the NFL. I think it's going to be a close game that I think the Steelers pull out just because of the offensive talent they have. Right. Who's but was there anything there? last week that you saw from the Vikings that makes you kind of think they have a better chance than you would have, than you would have thought they, they had uh, before uh, last week? Absolutely. The offensive line looked 20 times better than last year. I mean, they were so bad last year. Sam Bradford had no time to throw at all. And you you give Sam Bradford time and you see what happens. I mean, he yeah. put up on a, uh, the best game I've ever seen him play. Like, not sure. even close. I mean, he was sure. making throws that Aaron Rodgers makes, and that's about it. So I, I think that for sure – I think going forward for the rest of the season, I think it changes my outlook on them. Um, I think this is a playoff team. The defense is top three in the NFL. And if the offensive line can play the way they did, clear up holes for Dalvin Cook and give um, Sam Bradford time to throw. And we haven't even mentioned Stephon Diggs yet, who just looks like he's going to be an absolute stud this year. Absolutely. I think this team has a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and I've always had a theory that Bradford has played through more injuries than than we've been led to believe. Right. I've always thought that about him. I mean, which is partially just you're going to get that because the guy's a stick, but like I I've I've always believed that that Bradford's played through more throughout his career than we've been than we've been led to believe. But Eli, was there anything from week 1 from the Vikings that makes you more confident in them? Um you know, they kind of looked how, uh, again, I expected them to look. I, I knew their offensive yeah. line was going to be better. They, they had new players on there. They had, they just, they were going to be improved. Um, they loved Cook in the draft, uh, and, and he looks great. Um, you know, I, I think they could win this game for sure. There's definitely a, a way in which that happens. Uh, I'm not jumping on, I'm cautious on the Sam Bradford hype. Uh, 
just because we saw this last year in September when the Vikings went 4-0 and, and yeah. You know, yeah, we looking did. like a Super Bowl we team. Everyone was Sam Bradford, Good Sam point. Bradford, Sam Bradford. We saw the same thing last year. Good so point. I, I'm, I'm going to be cautious on Bradford. Um, you know, I do think that he's a lot better when he's got an offensive line, and he hasn't really had one throughout his entire NFL career. So, uh, you know, I, I just think the book is, is out on Sam Bradford, which is more than I thought that, you know, this, this time last year. Um, I would have, you know, he's a punchline last year. That's, so. that's fair because you go all the way back to his days at Oklahoma. He had an all-time great offensive line at Oklahoma. And yeah, he, he won the Heisman. And he, and he won the Heisman. And, I, you know, I think a lot of us ever since then have been trying to figure out who he is. Which, which which Sam Bradford is the real Sam Bradford? Is it is he that type of talent, or is he you know was he a product of that offensive line having some good skill position players around him? I've always been closer to the he has the talent, like we're seeing now. But it's he, he's he's just had a weird career where it's really tough to tell who Sam Bradford really is. But moving on to uh, our next one, the Eagles are plus four at the Chiefs. Eli, starting with you, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, uh, I think this is a really good test game for the Eagles. Um, you know, the and actually for both teams. You know, the Chiefs again, Andy Reid's style of offense uh, is a very you know run and short passing game. You know that's yeah. that's how it's oriented, right? So that's what that does is test the defense front seven, um, yeah. and the, obviously the Patriots failed that test miserably. Uh, I think the Eagles have a lot better talent in their front seven. I think that's a real strength of their team. So it'll be good to test exactly how good that Eagles defense is and that defensive front um, for the Eagles. You know, uh, I really liked what I saw from Carson Wentz in Week One. Um, he was one of the young quarterbacks who I thought took a real step forward and showed some promise in week one. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be great to see him go up against, uh, what looks like a pretty quality Chiefs secondary. Um, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. Eagles mm. plus four. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can, that's another, it's another good one. Anthony, uh, we know you think the Chiefs are going to win, but do you think they cover? Here's another case of Eli being salty about teams who beat him. It never <laughs> ends. It never ends. Um, so I think the Chiefs come out a little bit sluggish. I think that there's a lot of hype around, obviously, opening night, playing the defending Super Bowl champions. Yep. Who are the down. CBS Sports picked them to go 16-0, and all this, all that. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of hype. I think that definitely they come out a little bit slow. I think the game's close in the first half. Yeah, I think the Chiefs pull away towards the end. Uh, I think the biggest reason is Ronald Darby is going to be missing four to six weeks. He he hurt his foot. He's they're by far their best player in the secondary. And I, I think Tyreek Hill busts one in the third or fourth quarter, and we we kind of pull away from there. I think the the Chiefs cover um, pretty easily by the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Hunter I think home. Yeah. what's that? The Chiefs at home, they they don't lose at home, like ever. That's true. That's a tough place to play. 
It really yeah, is. You know, now that I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm sort of rethinking my pick because Andy Reid is also historically great off a of bye week. He doesn't have a great a full bye week, but he does have, you know, the long week. Uh, so and he's playing his former assistant and also has a yeah. Great oh yeah, no, yeah. They're gonna shit on Doug Peterson. Never mind. Now I forgot what the coaching <laughs> matchup. Yeah, Chiefs in this one for sure. I forgot that Andy Reid against Doug Peterson and the Chiefs are home. Yeah, this is this could be ugly. Eli well. just just wanted the Chiefs to lose because he's mad. But you called it. Look, you called it. You said <laughs> you, you said even before he made the pick. Yeah. No. Yeah. You got sometimes there's a little bit of logic when when Eli gets angry. In That's okay. He's a logical thinker. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll allow it. <laughs> but um. All right, next one, the uh, Packers uh, plus one at the Falcons, on the road at the Falcons. Um, let's see. So, yeah, coming off coming off a big win against the Seahawks. Uh, let's see. Where, uh, who the hell did we just start with? All right, Eli. Eli, starting with you, uh, Packers plus one at the Falcons. I get Aaron Rodgers, and I get to get points? Like, yeah. yes, please. Yeah. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Fair enough, Anthony. Where are you at? Uh, I'm on the other side of things. I think the Falcons win this one. Yeah? Yep. I think I think that uh, the offense comes out swinging. It's a rematch of the NFC Championship game, yeah? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So is that, just, is that just the Falcons being at home? Or do they Yeah. I mean, I think – did they play at home this weekend? No, so, they were they were at Chicago, I believe. Yeah, so their opening opening game at the new stadium, I think uh, Matt Ryan comes out, puts on a show. I uh, I love Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I think he's by far the best quarterback I've ever seen, and I, I just think that the supporting cast around Matt Ryan. I mean, you saw Hooper um, last week have a big game. I think he continues to play well, well the rest of the year, and uh, I'm all over the Falcons on this one. Nice. Yeah, I, I I like the Falcons this year. Um not quite sure about this this game, but I mean I I picked them to not have too much of a letdown after the Super Bowl. I mean uh so so the question to you guys is I mean um Super Bowl letdown. Do we see that now? Do we, if if there is one from the Falcons, do we see it now? Do we see it later in the year? When do we see if it's going to happen, when when is losing the Super Bowl going to affect them the most? What point in the season? It has to be now, right? I mean, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. You think so? They start early, right? But yeah, I, I agree. I, I, yeah, I think it's got to be now. I, I don't see it happening. Um, okay, I, but I, look, I loved, let me point loved, out. Go ahead. Let me point out: the Falcons beat the Bears. They beat the Bears by virtue of a completely busted coverage that led to an 88-yard touchdown for a white tight end. <laughs> then Fair. they still allowed the Bears, led by Mike freaking Glennon, to go all the way down the field in a minute and 45 seconds and have four shots at the goal line from inside the 10. Uh, and, you know, if, if Jordan Howard catches a pass at the goal line and scores, we're talking about how the Falcons are experiencing the Super hangover already because they lost the freaking Bears. Right. So, so we might be seeing it already. You know, yeah, like they were they were one or, or, or you know one of five plays away from 
you know, losing to the Bears. So, but I think those little things matter. I think the way the fact that they did win that game makes a mm. big difference in the way that they look at themselves this year and they look at the rest of the season. You know, like you look. Yeah, at- sometimes those best wins are the ones where you don't play your best and still right. pull out of it, anyways. Sometimes, yeah, that's that's a great point. That can really really invigorate a team. For sure, and I mean, you look at a team like the Chargers who always lose close games, no matter yeah. what. They yeah, will they lose do. those games. Like they look do. at the they they lost on a blocked field goal as time expired last night. You know, like a hundred percent of the time they they're going to lose that game because that's who they are. Yeah. Right? So this Falcons team can now come away saying, "Hey, we're going to find a way to win those close games." And if this game's close, you know they've got that to hang their hat on. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I also, you know, I asked the question because um, I, I think I think a lot of people do think about the early season kind of Super Bowl fatigue, but I I just have a hunch that for them we might see it later in the season. I think it might be another thing where um, their offense is performing really well, putting up big numbers again, and they start to get kind of big heads about themselves. You know, with the, with the numbers they were putting up last year, there was a ton of hype surrounding that team going into the playoffs. Um, so I'd actually worry with the Falcons, more about them getting big heads and having a letdown mid-season than I am about early-season Super Bowl hangovers. But I also do think that the Packers are a good enough team so that even if the Falcons play a pretty decent game, the Packers are good enough to beat them on the road. So that's why this is a this is definitely a tricky game. This is going to be exciting to watch. Uh, but last but not least, we got the Patriots are minus four on the road in New Orleans. Anthony, what do you think about the Patriots minus four? Oh, God, they're going to kill that spread. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are. Mm-hmm. Minus four versus that defense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, God, Tom Brady in a dome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel so bad for the Saints. It's it's going to be a bloodbath. Eli, is it easy money? Yeah, I'm... Uh... Unless the defense is as bad as I think it might be. Hmm. Okay. Well, what, what, I, what's the latest on Hightower? I haven't heard. Uh, I think I saw something that he could play week two. Yeah, that, um, that's absolutely massive. Hightower is uh, Hightower is arguably more important to this team than Brady. I said it earlier. It's, it's no, no, no. I, I no. It's, it's he's not. He's not actually. But you can make the argument and not be completely out of your mind. It's close. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. You you get you get Garoppolo in there. He's a he's a Okay, if you think Jimmy Garoppolo is a above replacement level replacement, but then you look at who the Patriots have running their defense, it's Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy is the leader on that defense. That offense has other weapons around him. All, all, yeah, mean, but the offense. For fuck's sake, we won a game with Jacoby Brissett running a high school offense last year. Yeah, I but, mean, but even with even with Hightower, the defense isn't going to be elite. And so to win games, you need an elite offense to counteract the mediocre defense. So, how was you know, the I, Patriots' defense in the first half? It was not terrible, honestly. Right. And how was it in the first fourth quarter? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. What was the difference? I tell her. <laughs> Dante Hightower. <laughs> Dante Hightower. Andy Reid. 
And Andy how does Reed. the Patriots offense look with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? Not Tom Brady, yes, but it looks pretty good, right? Like, so how do, those, how do each of those units perform without those players? Obviously, it's a better team. They play better complementary football with Tom Brady. Of course, it's a better team if Hightower's out than Brady's out. But you look at the impact on each of those units with each of those guys out, and you have to say it's close. You do. Hightower's impact is that big on the defense. It's the green dot, the veteran, the only veteran who has any significant experience playing at a high level on that front seven. Dante Hightower is the most important non-Tom Brady player on this team this year, and he's in that category. He's in that category. Dante Hightower means everything to this defense. I guess that's fair. Still, so, Tom Brady's in a class by himself. <laughs> no, he, he, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. If you know, at the end of the day, to to, act, to actually say, yeah, I'd rather Tom Brady gets hurt than Dante Hightower. Yeah, that's crazy. Of course, of course, that's 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 crazy for the actual team. But but you put it like that and. It's it's closer than it should be. Well, so Rappaport says uh, Hightower's believed that suffered a minor MCL sprain uh, could actually play week two. Wow. Okay. And then then the question becomes whether you even want him to play, whether it's worth it to just, you know, have him sit out and be there for the rest of the year considering his, the impact that he has. Right. Yeah, I I still think we'd, we'd win a shootout. I'd take us in a shootout. So over under for Brandon Cooks ninety yards on his return to New Orleans. Over, over. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Yeah, that's that's going to be a great storyline. I think I think he's pissed. I think he's just low key pissed at that franchise. Right. I think he wants to take it out on them. And for I think Bill Belichick will let him. I think Bill likes playing those games when he can. If you're up in a game. Bill Belichick will play those games with you. He will. He will get Cooks the ball. If they're if they're winning late in the game and it doesn't have a huge impact on the outcome of the game, Bill will get him yard against the team that he's pissed off against. He absolutely I, will. I say do it the opposite. Feed him early, man. I mean, yeah. Oh, I, sure. Oh, I sure. See a, I see a bomb in the first half. I see, you know, a 50-plus yard touchdown, something like that, and and then he just needs a few other catches to get that over 90. Oh, sure. I'm talking in addition to that. Absolutely. No, he'll get yards anyway. He'll get yards yeah, anyway. I mean, I mean, like, he could have a monster. He could have, like, 10 for 180 and a couple touchdowns. Like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, right. Especially because, you know, the, um, the, the, re- the initial rumors were cooks for Butler, right? Those were the off-season rumors that were swirling around. And why do they need Malcolm Butler? Because they need a fucking corner. And they didn't get Malcolm Butler, who would be the guy covering Brandon Cooks. Right? So that whole move just comes up Patriots in this in this matchup. Because not only do the Patriots have Cooks, but the Saints don't have Butler to cover. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. So everything fun. everything comes up Patriots in that in that transaction, yeah, I think uh, I I think the the Patriots 
minus four in this one. Um, easy money might be a stretch, but uh, it's I, I'd feel pretty confident in that. Certainly, way more confident than any of the other three games. The any one other... thing, the, well, yeah, the one, the one thing that I don't want to see if I'm a Patriots fan, which you guys know I am not. I don't want to see Adrian Peterson touching the ball more than six times. If he, really? if they start, well, if they start feeding him the ball, chewing up clock, and you look at what um, what Kareem Hunt did last week, that could pose some that could pose some problems. I'm not saying that, you know, he, we know he's not going to get 20 carries, right? We we just sure. know it's not going to happen. But no. I, I don't want to see him touching the ball a lot. Yeah, if it's the kind of game where he gets 12 carries, like, you know, that probably means that the Saints are running the ball, you know, 35 times. Yeah. Do you guys think uh, he'll be effective between the 20s this year? I, I I mean, it looks like they really want to get Kamara on the field. Kamara got a lot more playing time in, in week one than I expected. Um, yeah. So, and maybe, maybe that's something that's just, you know, because they're behind and he's a, more of a receiving back. Um, but it, it looks to me like they want Ingram to be the starter and Kamara to be the receiving back and Peterson is the third guy. Like, they dog man out. Yeah. But why even go get this guy? Why even sign him? That's, that's the thing. I, I mean, like, if it's just for goal line or I, I really don't know what, what the thinking is there. Maybe they wanted to bring him in because they thought maybe he was going to be Adrian Peterson and, uh, and he's just lost the step. Or three. Well, I think it's I think it's the latter. I really think it's the latter because um, you guys you guys might have seen the kind of uh, interaction, if you will, that uh, Adrian Peterson and Sean Payton had on the sidelines last game, where they kind of went back and forth at each other, and Adrian gave him a bit of a stare down at the end. There, uh, they seem like things might have been a little tense. You don't want to read too much into it. I know it's football; things get heated, but. Uh, there might have been some creative differences about the way they were running the offense, about his involvement in it in this game, and I think that's exactly what happened was they took a flyer on him, hoping that he would be the Adrian Peterson of of old, and he's just not. And what does a guy with that level of ego do when everybody else realizes that he's not the same guy anymore, but he obviously still thinks he is? He gets pissed and takes it out on everybody else. So, the Adrian Peterson situation, I don't want to read too much into just, you know, him having words with the coach on the side of the field in week one, but it could turn into a powder keg for the reasons that you were just talking about, because they might have thought that he was Adrian Peterson still, and he's just not, and there's no way that he comes to accept that. Absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. He would have to go out kicking and screaming. They'd have to cut him. That's, that's that's the only way that that situation ends amicably if if they don't find a way to to use them. They just have to cut them. Any parting thoughts before we take off? I've been overruled on Kaepernick. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Colin. Um, you know, I just I actually wanted to say there were a, a few quarterbacks in week one that I thought looked really good and 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 looked better than I thought they would. Um, I thought Deshaun Kaiser looked you know serviceable as a receiver, which is better than the Browns have had in a long time. Um, I thought Jared Goff looked 
not bad, which is shocking. Shout out to Anthony for calling that one. Yeah, huge asterisk because they're playing the Colts, but still, uh, you know, not nearly as bad as I, as I thought he'd be. Fuck um, Jared Goff. He sucks. <laughs> Uh, you know, even Glennon didn't look terrible against the, with, with the Bears. Uh, he wasn't great, but he didn't look awful. Um, you, you know, I, I thought there were some, definitely some signs of hope, uh, for young quarterbacks. Trevor Sidney looked very good, uh, much better than he did last year. Uh, Dak Prescott picked up pretty much right where he left off. So, uh, you know, I thought there was, uh, there's some, some good reasons for optimism about the, the young quarterbacks in the NFL. Totally agree. Totally agree. I hear a lot of negativity about the young quarterbacking in the NFL, and I think it's all bullshit. I, I'm actually really happy where it's at. My parting thought, the Colts are a laughable franchise. They've known for how long they're the only people who could have possibly known about how bad Andrew Luck's injury was. And their their way of handling it is, is, is to throw this bag of dog shit out on the field. And just say, ah, fuck it. We'll just get kicked by the Rams. It's it's ridiculous. This the Colts piss me off more than anybody else because they have Peyton Manning for all these fucking years, and then they suck for one year, and then they get Andrew Luck for the next year. <laughs> they still find a way to fuck it all up. I hate the Colts. They are the worst franchise in the NFL that has had any form of success. They piss me off. And, and it couldn't. Murphy sucks. Yeah, couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yeah. No, Jim Eric said, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's got his issues. Anyways, that will do it for this week's episode of the Outsider Sports Podcast. We'll be hitting you next week. We'll recap some of the games we just talked about and highlight some big goings-on from for week three. And that'll about do it. Gentlemen, I will see you next week. He's out. See ya. Give us a five star rating. Thank <laughs> you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was good. Oh, it is Hitman.